0: I'm really excited about what I have to talk about today, and um, I've already silenced my phone. Um, this is so when I go to read something, I can read it. That's what happens when you get over 40, <laughs> when you're our age, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, it was really neat because, is it, where is Charlie? Oh, he's working. I can't see him. That's why. All right, so um, Alicia texted me last Friday, and she's like, okay, so I've got this song in my head, and I can't get it out of my head, and she's into all this spiritual stuff and praying and everybody being led by the Lord and stuff. So she says, okay, what is your what scripture have you got going in your head? And, of course, I give her a short answer, and she hates that. But I told her it's Revelation, yada, 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 uh, 3. By the way, turn there. Revelation 3, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And it's amazing because this is a song that's going through her head. She looks for validation on what her spirit is telling her to see if, here's the trick, to see if it's her mind or if it's the mind of God telling her. What's the difference? And when you grow as a Christian... Not when you first start, but as you grow, you learn the difference. Because sometimes your emotions tell you a lot of things, and it ain't from God. So she's looking for validation in her spirit that the same spirit is speaking to both of us. And when, when you see this scripture today, you're going to see that God was working behind the scenes. And the cool thing is, is, this is exactly what he does with his word. There's so many things hidden inside of it, and he has done that on purpose To show you that there's a grand design. Look, 44 guys over 1,500 years wrote 66 books. And it is a coherent message all the way through. We've got how many people in Congress? I mean, you could get 44 of them guys in one room and they can't come to the same decision. The same thing happens in this church. That's why God shows you that it's above man. That there is a design that is outside of time outside of our comprehension. And he does that on purpose to give you confidence when you read the scriptures that this isn't the Koran or this isn't the Odyssey, you know, the Greek. I got one, thank you. I'll take another, okay. (laughs) Thank you. That there's a grand design. All right, good. And that there's something special about this book. Let me tell you, if they could have tore this book apart, They would have done it centuries ago. Do you hear what I'm saying? They would have done it a long time ago. They can't do it. All right, and I hope I prove to you that today. All right, let's all look at uh, Revelation 3.1. All right. If you have your Bible, try to use it. It's good to write notes in. It's okay to write in your Bible. I use a pencil because later on I learn something new and I have to change it, okay? Use a pencil. All right, Revelation 3.1. Write to the angel of the church in Sardis, the one who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, says, I know your works. You have a reputation or a name. That's literally what the word means, a name for being alive, but you are dead. (laughs) Be alert and strengthen what remains, which is about to die, for I have not found your works complete before my God. All right? Remember, therefore, what you have heard. Excuse me. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. But if you are not alert, I will come like a thief, and you will have no idea at what hour I will come against you. But you have a few people or names, there's that word again, in Sardis who have not defiled their clothes. They have they will walk with me in white because they are worthy. In this same way, the victor will be dressed in white clothes, and I will never erase his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my father and before his angels. Anyone who has an ear should listen To what the Spirit says to the churches? Does anybody? Can everybody hear? Okay. Then God's got a message for you. All right. Let's get started. All right. You see that map? This is just to get started. All right. Look. See those seven churches up there? All right. This gives you an idea. That is what we call today Turkey. Okay. Completely Muslim dominated today. But at one time they were Christians. You see Jerusalem down here on the right to give you some kind of compass. Patmos is where John is, and he's writing these letters to these seven churches. This is so awesome. I love this scripture. All right, the seven churches are or were seven literal churches on the earth at that time. They These letters to them were for those churches, the very problems that they had going on. But what is cool about God is that he will uh, answer something immediate at that time, but it will also be something prophetic for the future. So we know, if you take church history, and you put it up against the, the letters to these seven churches, it tells you church history before it ever happened. I'm going to tell you, I, I beg you, study it. And it you will be amazed at the power of God's Word. He uses prophecy to prove to you who He is. Okay? It's proof to you. And that is always how God does it in Scripture. That's how the Hebrews always done it. The, the, the thing would be something immediate, but it would also point to something in the future. Okay, now what? Alright, so these seven letters are also very useful for the individual. You can take these seven letters, read them, and learn how to grow from it, what you need to change, how you need to live, many, many things. What is that? What is these seven letters? It's the mind of God. Do you understand? He gave you a piece of what's in his mind, and he has revealed it to you. All right, let's move along. All right, first thing, what does the name Sardis mean? When you see these seven letters, whatever the name is of that church is for a purpose. There is something about that name that has something to do with that church, okay? So, of course, we want to know what Sardis means. Well, there's at least four that I found. Chuck Misler says it means a stone. Then... Um, There's others that say it's a remnant. Others say it means Prince of Joy. Others say it means Escaping Ones. This is the most controversial name of all the churches. This is the one that they can't figure out what the name means anymore. What is it telling you? That what their name once meant has been lost. Think about it. Their name has been erased from history. What is Jesus telling them? So then the next thing is, do you hear what I'm saying? They don't they're not sure what the name means anymore. It's been erased from history. So then Jesus next what does he do? He gives them a description of himself and it is the remedy for the problem. Why can't we get that? He's telling you what you need. What aspect of God do you need? Okay? So let's see what it what's the description? This is so cool. All right. What's the descriptions he gives? What What the heck? Yeah. That was a um, stink bug. All right. He's trying to hold on, but he can't stay on me. All right. What are the seven spirits of God? Jesus says, let's read it before I get too far here. He says, this is the one speaking to him, them. The one who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says... What are the seven spirits of God? Now, I was going to just jump over this and get right to It's the Holy Spirit. That's what it means. It's the Holy Spirit. But no, God makes a specific. The Holy Spirit manifests himself in many ways. But he is saying there's a specific part of the Holy Spirit that this, these people need. He has revealed it. Oh, all right, here we go. What does he say? Turn to Isaiah 11.1, 1. and, and a lot of you already know this, is seven spirits of God. Now, now listen to me, this is not seven other people like the Trinity. The Trinity is three individuals, but yet one. The seven spirits are just seven parts, manifestations of the same spirit. You see what I'm saying? God is multidimensional. He does not operate in four dimensions like we do. He is way outside of this. Okay, now he's telling them, These, this is what you need for this church. Then a shoot will grow from the stump of Jesse, and, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. Now think about that. Isaiah relates it to a what? A tree. Keep that in mind. He relates it to a tree. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, a spirit of wisdom, understanding, a spirit of counsel and strength, A spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. What does he say? They need the mind of God. Look at those words. He's talking about intelligence. He's talking about counsel. He's talking about using your mind, but not yours. God's mind, the mind of God. Let's go through each one of these. The first spirit is the spirit of Yahweh you know what Yahweh means? It means the self-existent one. He's saying the Spirit is alive. The Spirit of life. Hello? Wisdom. The ability to discern between good and bad. Understanding a comprehension of the construction of a structure. Now, I like that one. I'm into building stuff. But not just structures, but also of your thought processes. The word for word in the Hebrew is dvar. You know what devar means? It means order. It means ordering words in a certain way to where they're understandable. That's a Hebrew word for word. Um, let's go on. Counsel. Advice given in the sense of being the firm support of the community. When you need advice, do you go to the seven-year-old and ask, what do you think? No, you go to the oldest people in the community. The ones that has been there that have a good name to get counsel. The word for counsel in Hebrew is built from the same root as the word for tree. So what he's saying is is when you go to the get counsel, you go to the old tree. The one that's been there a long time. In Hebrew, and you're going to need to know this for the rest of this, their language is a root. Is this thing on? Give me a little spice here so I can, bam, when I need to. All right. The, yeah, that's better. Thank you. The Hebrew language is a root-based system. So words are built from other words. So if you see two words like council and tree, they are somehow connected in Hebrew thought. Their words and their names even, their names are not random when, they, when their names are in Scripture, it's something to do with their character. Hebrew words are related. So what he's saying is, is that if you go to the old person in the community, the old tree, which happens to be the fourth one in the middle, related to this whole idea of a tree again. All right, the next one, it says strength, but I looked it up, and it, it really means bravery. Defending one's convictions or beliefs through physical strength. That's how Ben Carson says it. I like that. Strength. You know, that was your man. All right. Knowledge. Being able to grasp and comprehend what is obscure. And the last one, the fear of Yahweh. Reverence. And Lord knows we need more reverence today. Hello? See, that's the whole point. What is God saying? There's a lot of knowledge today. We can go to the moon. We can text people in Africa and Spain and everywhere, we can Facebook, we can ruin people's lives in five minutes nowadays, it's awesome, and uh, that was a joke, but with Facebook, that's the truth, it's the truth, and it's scary, but here's the point, we got a lot of knowledge, and that's just it, when you see them on Facebook, you don't see a lot of wisdom, can I get an amen, Amen. (laughs) there ain't a lot of wisdom on Facebook, okay? There's a lot of knowledge today, but not a lot of wisdom. God is saying to this church, you need wisdom from God, the Holy Spirit. All right, let's move to the next one. What are the seven spirits of God? Now, if this is new to you, you're like, this sounds weird, the seven spirits of God. All right, Revelation 4:5 says, And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire, burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. What is John talking about? He's been translated to heaven. He sees these seven spirits in heaven, and what do they look like? Lamps. Okay. What do you think he saw? Do you hear what I'm saying? This is the menorah. God, when he built a tabernacle, he gave us a picture of heaven. Moses was told, pattern it after the things I have showed you. We get to Revelation, what do we see? We see all the things in the temple up in heaven. So this was patterned after the Holy Spirit. Okay, sometimes it helps to get a visual aid. This is the Holy Spirit He's telling you. Okay, so let's look at the different parts of the menorah. And I think we'll gain some more insight. This is what I love about God's Word. It's trying to find those hidden things. For me, they're like little treasures. And He hides them for me. And I find them. Boy, and I get excited. But And it's in my personal time. It ain't when I'm out here singing and stuff. And that's okay. That's good. But when the Lord moves on me, a lot of times it's just me and He's just working on my mind. But he don't give it to me to keep it to myself. If you got a light, do you hide it under a bushel? No. All right. The tabernacle was modeled after the things that were in heaven. This thing had seven lamps on top. And olive oil was used for the fuel for the lamps. That's what burned. It wasn't a candle. It was olive oil. Okay. And it burned. It's also, did you know this, when you read in Exodus, it's modeled after the almond tree. So it's modeled after a tree. Okay, there's a lot of connections that God does. He ties all this together. And he wants to see if you can figure it out. Almond tree. But why an almond tree? All right, let's go back. First thing it does, it's seven lamps. It gives off light. What do we call someone who's smart? They say, that brother is enlightened. The word is in the meaning. That brother's enlightened, man. He knows some stuff. Intelligence. It gives off life. What did uh, the psalmist say in 119? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Do you think he was thinking about the menorah? Probably. Okay. It represents the mind of God. See, we're seeing what are these seven spirits? He revealed it to us in uh, Isaiah 11. It's the mind of God that gives enlightenment, that gives you direction. Why do so many people bu- bungle around in darkness? Because they got no light, they got no connection to God. God took a nation and built it and dwelled in the middle of it. When they were wandering around the desert, they wasn't aimless. The rest of the nations, they throw virgins in volcanoes. They sacrifice all kinds of stuff. You see what I'm saying? They're just shooting at the wall to see if anything sticks. They don't know what they're doing. The Philistines take little rats and put it on the ark and try to see back. I don't know, maybe this will work. Because they kept getting hemorrhoids. They're wandering around in the dark. Darkness is always tied to chaos. Who's the king of the prince of darkness? Who is the prince of light? When God wants to fix the earth in uh, Genesis, what does he do? He turns on the light. In Hebrew, you know what the word is for light? Or. Where do we get our word order? Somebody say amen. Light has to do with using your brain Being led by the Spirit. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of the man that is in him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Paul is telling you you, the mind of God. All right, let's move to the next one. Olive oil always represents the Holy Spirit in Scripture. If there's no oil in the lamp, there's no fire. If you you extract the spirit from the body, what happens? It's dead. There's no life. There's no light. There's nothing happening. That's what the olive oil represents. The five virgins. Five of them didn't put oil in the lamp. They were all church members. But five of them had the spirit and five of them didn't. Now, that's my opinion. But it's going to relate to what Jesus is talking about here. You have to have the Holy Spirit. All right. No light, no life. Now, what does it have to do with an almond tree? This I love this. I've recently figured this out. That is the fruit of an almond tree. If you look at it closely, it looks like the guy from Little Shop of Horrors. Feed me, Seymour. Okay, but if you look at it closely, it looks like an eyelid, and the eyes are opening. You hear what I'm saying? God told him to model the menorah after the almond tree. Okay? Why did he do that? Revelation 5:6. Then I saw one like a slaughtered lamb standing between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders. And he had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. Hello, these eyes are watching you. Okay, see the connection between the almond tree, the eyes, the seven spirits. This is All this information is going to make sense. Stay with me. What does he tell Jeremiah? Have you ever read this scripture and said, "What what does he mean? Then the word of the Lord came to me asking, what do you see, Jeremiah? I replied, I see a branch of an almond tree. The Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I watch over my word to accomplish it. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying the eyes of the almond tree. He watches over his word to see that it is accomplished. What's the word of God? It's the Spirit. And Jesus is all the same. But it's the Spirit. Because the Spirit is what? The breath of God. What do they say the Scriptures are? God breathed. That is so awesome. All right, stay with me. In Hebrew, this is the word for almond. And then that's the word for watch. Remember I was talking about they're tied together? What's the difference between the two, three letters? Nothing. One vowel. It's hard to see. Yep, the two dots. There's one vowel that's the difference between the two words. In Hebrew, when they say almond and they say watch, they know what it means. They get it. That's what the menorah is modeled after, the almond tree. What are the seven stars? There's seven messengers. Jesus himself he, thank you, Lord, for giving us a little bit of insight. In chapter 1, he says the seven stars are seven messengers sent to the seven churches. If you look up in the sky and you see seven stars, what do they look like? Seven little lamps. And what are they? They're messages. These messages are light to these churches to give you direction, to help you fix what you need to fix in your life. All right, let's go to Revelation 3-2. Let's keep going here, boys and girls. All right, I know your works. You have a name for being alive, but you are dead. You know what that means? You once was alive. You started out good, but you don't have it no more. Do you understand that? Can that happen? You started out with it, but you ain't got it no more. All right? Be alert. There's that word. You hear that? Watch, be alert. That's He's talking about the almond tree. Be alert and re- strengthen what remains which is about to die, for I have not found your works complete before my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. But if you are not alert, I will come like a thief, and you will have no idea what hour I will come against you. These are the seven churches. And this is pretty much what most people believe. The first three in history go from one to the other. They're they're absorbed by the next church until we get to Thyatira. Right, Randy? Thyatira is a Catholic church. Is the Catholic church gone? No, it's still here. They go through, and Jesus specifically warns them. He says, if you don't get away from her practices and deeds, you will go into great tribulation. He uses the word great tribulation. Sardis is the next one. That's the one we're talking about today. I want to tell you, this is in history, and I know I'm running out of time, but I want you to hear this. Sardis, the Reformation, what happens? Martin Luther, not the king. Martin Luther, he nails his 95 Theses through the Wittenberg Church door, 1517. Okay, he starts the Reformation. It was already underway, but that really kicked it off, okay? John Calvin is another popular one. Look, you know what happened at this time? See, they started out good. They found the mind of God. They got back to the Scriptures. They said, you don't need to be a member of the Catholic Church to be saved. In fact, that doesn't do diddly. Indulgences, you can't buy your way out of hell. Okay, why? how did they figure that out, the Word of God? That's how you, not man's traditions. They got back to the Word. They found salvation by blood. They started translating scriptures into their own languages. Do you see what I'm saying? Enlightenment took off in the church. They started, uh, what was it, a bunch of stuff. Okay, look where we are today. I'm going to give you this because I've been holding on to this for a long time. Okay. How how many of y'all know the four oldest colleges in this country? I'm going to show you in history how God's word was dead on. All right, let's start with Harvard. This is the liberal, you know, machine pumping out little liberals every day, right? Okay. Guess how it was started. Established, 1636, right after the Puritans. Why did the Puritans leave? Because they wanted to be free where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 2 Corinthians. Did y'all get that? Okay. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. These men got into Scripture, and they sailed across the sea. That's that bravery from the Spirit. 1636, named for the Puritan minister John Harvard, oldest in the country, original seal and motto, truth for Christ and church. Now it just reads the truth, okay? There's a lot more you can get out of this, but for time's sake, is that what it is today? No. Okay? See, this is exactly what Jesus is talking about. They started out with enlightenment. They started out with a name that they were alive, but now they are dead as a doornail. And that is scary. William and Mary, Williamsburg, the second one, 1693, first president, Reverend John, James Blair... 1690, the charter or something was signed. It was a bunch of clergymen of the Church of England. You hear what I'm saying? Now I don't know if William and Mary is a big liberal school, but I guarantee it ain't what it once was. Yale. How many of y'all heard of Yale? New Haven, Connecticut, 1701, founded by clergymen. And you can read in their charter. Youth may and be instructed in the arts and sciences through. The blessings of Almighty God that they may be fitted for public employment, both in church and, oh Lord, civil state. These were colleges started by enlightened men from the Spirit of God, but they have drifted far away from it. You have seen Scripture happen. That's why we're going to be held to a higher standard because we have the knowledge of history to test the Word of God against it. We're going to be held accountable for that. Daniel, in the 70 weeks of Daniel, he told them when Jesus was coming. And they missed it. It was in Scripture. Why did they miss it? Because they didn't know their Bible. You hear what I'm saying? Don't think it won't happen to us. Princeton established 1746 original motto, Under the protection of God, she flourishes with the Bible on the seal. Woodrow Wilson was one of their... Uh, leaders and that ain't a good sign. Founders, fourth Presbyterian, it was founded by four Presbyterian ministers and three laymen. Attendance at prayer was a requirement until the late 1800s. Founded in response to the Great Awakening. First president of that college university was Jonathan Dixerson, Presbyterian preacher. Okay, we have come a long ways from that, right? How do we get back to that? I really don't have time to get into this. But in Ezekiel 9, 1, 11, I encourage you to read it when you have a chance. There's, Ezekiel has a vision of seven men. And one of them has parchment, like a writing utensil, ink. Kind of like the Holy Spirit. And it's seven of them. And he goes through and he marks. The ones that are weeping for the abominations in the temple. And he marks them. Guess what he marks them with? The word for mark is not the same word that's used for um, Cain. It's a different word. And it's it's tav. You know what the tav is in Paleo-Hebrew? It's a cross. It's a cross. That's what they were marked with. He says, I put a tav on the ones. Then the other six men go through the city, killing everybody that didn't have the mark. Now, who do you think made that mark on them men? The Holy Spirit. That's what he is going to say here in Ephesians. He says, when you heard the message or the truth of the gospel of your salvation, when you believed in him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. He is the down payment of our inheritance for the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. All right. You know what that word sealed means? It means to stamp. It's like a signet ring. Paul is saying when you have the Holy Spirit, it's like God putting his name on you. Do you hear what I'm saying? You know why their names not going to be erased? This is my opinion. Because he don't see Jesse Marshall. He sees the righteousness of Christ. He sees the Tav on me. You see later on in Revelation, the devil tries to emulate the same thing by forcing everyone to get a mark in the hand or the forehead. He's trying to copy what he knows God's already doing. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit if you have it. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're a five-year-old and you say the Lord's Prayer, praise God. But if you grow up and you live in adultery and raise all kinds of, you know what, and then you die and you, you think, the preacher starts to get up here and say what a good kid you he went to heaven he said it when he was a little kid he was a sweetie pie I mean he he cheated on his wife a few times but he repented I think right let me tell you something I don't believe that that's what you need to rely on this is that this is the bottom line right here and I want to get to it whoo this is the bottom line. There are people in this congregation that don't know they're saved. They don't, you don't have any idea whether you're saved or not. And, and it's not to get on you. I, dear God, I have the answer and I want to give it to you. How do you know? You know how I know I'm saved? Because I come to church every Sunday. No. No. Listen, Romans, Paul says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God lives in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Do you see what I'm saying? If you don't have the mark, then you are not his. How do I know I have the mark? The Spirit himself testifies, Romans eight sixteen, with our spirit, that we are God's children. Let me tell you something, that's how I know. It ain't because anybody tells me or the preacher prayed over me or did a little little. Uh, it's because when I'm in my alone time and I'm talking to God, and it's nice and quiet, He tells me stuff, like this message. He gives it to me. Boy, you think this is Jesse Marshall, you're wrong. I ain't that smart. One of the youth said, "How do you know all this stuff?" I've been reading it for 22 years. Hello, I've been going to school for a long time. I should know it. You see what I'm saying? The Spirit testifies with my Spirit. If you have, if you think you're saved and the Spirit has not spoken to you, I want you to, you better get up. You better find out. You better find out. Because here's the thing. It doesn't happen overnight. I've been studying this stuff for 22 years. It doesn't happen overnight. When I was a beginning a Christian, I want to give you an example for the young people. I would ride by people on the side of the road and I'd be like, okay, Lord, am I supposed to help them? And I'd go like 10 miles, drive back 10 miles. I think God wants me to do it. And I would beat myself up and want God talking to me. It was my emotions. It was something in my head. But as you grow... You learn the difference between Jesse Marshall and Jesus. But it takes time. You've got to develop that relationship. It don't happen overnight. And where does it start? The third piece of furniture in the tabernacle is the menorah. You hear what I'm saying? The menorah represents life. It represents God's mind. How do we learn the mind of God in these 66 books? Then, what was the next thing in the tabernacle? The table of showbread. Communion. How do you, you can't have fellowship with Jesus unless you know who He is. The experiences you have, if they don't line up with Scripture, you say, The Spirit told me to go kill 20 people. That ain't in Scripture. Something's wrong. You need to learn your Bible so when you see these things happening in your life, you know that it's God. Working in your life. And then once you have fellowship and communion, what was the thing? The last thing in in that part? In the holy place. Not the most holy. The altar of incense. You cannot take your prayers and concerns to God until you have fellowship with Him. You see the order? God works in order. He designed this thing for you and you and you so you can see what He's trying to tell you. People say, why doesn't God just come down and tell me what he wants? He has. That's what these preachers are for. That's what this word is for. He's screaming out, listen to me, listen to me. And we, we, we don't, we miss it. That's what I, all right, start the music. All right. That's what I want you to think about as we come to this prayer time today. I don't care if you come down here or not. I want you to take this home with you today and meditate on it. You need to know that you've been sealed. And the only way I'm going to know I'm sealed is if God tells me. See, when I prayed that little prayer when I was a seven-year-old boy, God might have saved me right then. I didn't know it. I grew up in teenage years and done all kinds of stupid stuff. Okay, and I went way away, but then God brought me back. Now listen, I might have been saved the whole time. I don't know, but there's something changed when I turned 19 because over time he told me I was saved. Now I know, not because I prayed a prayer, but because his spirit testifies to my spirit that I am the child of God. I beg you, examine your life. That's what the uh, menorah is, is examining these eyes, watching. Be alert. Real quick. You know why Jesus says, if you are not alert, I will come on you like a thief. If, you, if you've been robbed by a good robber, you don't know he's been there. Until you notice something missing. That's what's going to happen in the rapture. There's going to be church members that think they're going the rapture's gonna happen, and they're gonna be like, Wait a minute, what happened? Something missing here. That's exactly what Jesus is talking about. Why did they miss it? Why were they not alert? Ken, do you know why he says the Lord, he thinks the Lord's coming back soon? You know why he's alert? Because of the scriptures. He knows, he takes what he sees in life, tests it with the scriptures. And he knows that Jesus is close to come back. There's going to, a lot of these people that now, they don't know their scriptures. And a lot of these, there's lots of denominations. They don't believe in the book of Revelation at all. They don't believe that it's even going to happen. It's spiritualized. It's just, he's just trying to convey some message. It's not going to really happen. That's why they're going to be caught off guard because they don't believe the word. And they're going to say, I'm a Christian. I'm a member of the the First Presbyterian Baptist Pentecostal Church of Holiness in Huddleston. And it don't matter. You You can deceive yourself. If you feel led, come and pray and do whatever it is you feel led to do.